Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome back to the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Loose with me. It's been a while, but it's time to crack up and get caught up on the Hawks. Ron, I saw you just cheers me on the uh, screen there. Um, it has been so long since we talked Blackhawks here on the Four Feathers podcast. So first of all, um, welcome back, man. It feels good. And uh, how are you doing, first and foremost? I am sipping on a uh, delicacy that is called Knob Creek. Um, it is their nine-year-aged 120-proof um, bourbon. Uh, so AKA it's legal hand sanitizer. So you can, uh, have a guess at how I'm feeling tonight. We're feeling good. We're celebrating some, uh, some Blackhawks hockey, even though it's just, you know, the draft and we got free agency coming up, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to be back talking hockey with you, Johnny. It's been a hot minute and, um, you know, we'll, we'll get right into this thing. A lot of things to talk about too. I mean, if we, uh, I'll tell you what, there's some rabbit holes we can go down based on some of the moves that have happened besides the draft, obviously nothing really too crazy with the Blackhawks minus, you know, maybe the Mata move. Um, but there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on right now in the NHL. And I'll tell you what, I, I was missing this on July 1st, but hell, man, I'm happy it's here even now. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, we got we got hockey back, man. It's hockey offseason and, and shit's going to hit the fan. It's going to be a good time. But I'm happy to be back talking hockey with you, Johnny. It's been too long. Yeah, Ron, it has been too long, and I would argue that shit has already started to hit the fan. We're already seeing some pieces fly, um, the Nashville, Minnesota trades, all of that kind of stuff, Domi to Columbus. Um, but we're here to talk about the Blackhawks, obviously. That's what this is, the Four Feathers podcast. First of all, um, to get into me, um, I like what you said. Uh, you're sipping you know, a little bourbon there, um, a hard liquor and hockey. Can't go wrong, man. Uh, you know me. I'm pretty standard. You, your average Joe, domestic light beer drinker. Um, got a bush light going. Some here. bush. Mo- Mo- <laughs> Multiple of them lined up as we run down this. So um, as Ron mentioned, a lot of topics to get into today. Um, but before we do and jump into any of those, um, just need to remind you that Four Feathers podcast is presented by the ONTAP Sports Network. So make sure you're going to ONTAPSportsNet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs and following us on Twitter at Four Feathers Pod and the main account at ONTAP Sportsnet. So um, that's first and foremost. And second of all, while we've been away, um, we saw we had a couple people in the Twitter replies not too long after uh, the Blackhawks were eliminated from the playoffs by the Vegas Golden Knights about um, where's a recap episode. And we were trying to get one together. Didn't work out. Um, Ron and I are pretty busy over at the ONTAP Sportsnet, um, in addition to other things going on in our lives. But uh, over at ONTAP Sportsnet, uh, I am a big Sox guy. And Tony Marchese, you also hear on here, um, we are on the Sox on Tap podcast. And uh, that's doing post game shows after every baseball game. And, you know, baseball is not like hockey. It's every fucking night. Um, you know, where's <laughs> hockey? Hockey has, has a break there. Uh, it's day in, day out with baseball. So Ron was covering the Cubs on tap side of things there. So that's why we've been away. So, Ron, initial first here before we get into I know it was draft day. We were going to run down all these picks that we got qualifying offer deadline today, too. We're going to get into that as well. But before that, um, final thoughts to wrap up the season. The Blackhawks being eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights in five games in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, man. I mean... If, if we're being entirely honest, I mean, I think we can all can kind of agree the Hawks didn't deserve to be there, but they got a, a pretty unique opportunity to be there. And they beat a very good Edmonton Oilers team. They really did. I'll, I'll give them their credits where credit is due. Uh, the big guns showed up. I mean, I know Patrick Kane was a little quiet in that series, but 
hell, that first line of Brandon Saad, Jonathan Saves, and Dominic Kubalik was arguably they looked like the, the Harlem Globetrotters of hockey, man. I mean, they were doing unbelievable in that series. And obviously they had a great first game. And then each of them kind of had their own individual good games from there on out. But that top line really carried that team through that that qualifying series against Edmonton. So, you know, to see them do that, I think was at least encouraging in sense of like, okay, we know the big guys can still step up and do things as long as they have the right pieces around them. Now that obviously that second part is the big question mark with this team right now, right? I mean, it's not a can Patrick Kane still put up 90 points in a season? We know he can do that, but you know, it's more of a, do they have the right supporting cast? But that being said, it was still fun to watch, you know, obviously, especially after, I mean, hell, what, how many months without sports? Uh, it was cool to see the Hawks back in action. And, you know, even if it was just kind of because of an extended playoff and they wiggled their way in. And I mean, you could argue, I know I've caught a lot of slack on Twitter for, for saying that them winning maybe cost them their goalie of the future, but I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, it was entertaining in the moment and, uh, you know, they did good things, but that Vegas team was good. You know, that Vegas team was very good. I'm actually very surprised that Vegas team didn't make it to the cup final from the West, to be honest with you. I actually had them going to the cup final from the West. So the fact that Dallas did what they did, I think that was incredible for, for Dallas. You know, Miro Heiskin has come onto the scene as kind of the next elite defenseman, uh, I think, in the NHL. Um, obviously a, a beautiful story from a guy like Anton Kudobin, who's been kind of a career backup, you know, kind of carries the stars of the Stanley cup. Uh, but good for, you know, ultimately good for the, for the Tampa Bay lightning winning that cup. Finally. I mean, that team has been elite for shit. What? 12. It feels like 12 seasons at this point, but yeah. you know, more or less 10 years. I mean, it, you really yeah. look at it. I mean, Stamkos was yeah, at least what, five when you're 08? talking about like Eastern conference favorites, I'd say at least five, yeah. at least five. And that was, I mean, if you look back on it too, right, 14, 13, 12 even, like Tampa was still in the playoffs. Maybe they weren't the East favorite, but they were still in the playoffs. They still had a lot of those guys there. Like Hedman was there. Stamkos was in the prime of his career. Kucherov was already there. So like a lot of those kind of youngsters were already there making an impact. But, you know, they got the job done, especially without Stamkos. It makes it even more impressive to me because when he's healthy, he's arguably a top, what, maybe seven player in the NHL. Um, maybe on a given year, top five. I mean, we've seen years that he's had top five type seasons. So, you know, good for them. But I mean, you know what? Ultimately, in the end, it was just nice having hockey back. Um, you know, I could sit here and bitch about the Hawks, you know, screwing themselves out of getting a guy like Askarov, who naturally goes to the Predators because that's just hockey. The guy, hockey gods just I just felt the big loogie hit my face yesterday when <laughs> Askarov went to Nashville. So, um but no, nonetheless, uh, it was nice seeing just the Hawks back in action. It was nice seeing DeHaan healthy. Uh, I think he looked really good. I think him and Murphy make a fantastic second pairing. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit, but it feels like that third pairing, which arguably was their best pairing in Mata and Cuckoo, is entirely gone from this franchise now. So, um, But we'll talk about that later. But nonetheless, uh, it was good to see the the team back in action and it's going to be a crazy offseason, man. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, thinking about next season already, and I'm like, wow, this team is going to look probably fairly different um, or really the same. It's it's going to be one of the two extremes, right? I mean, it's just one of those offseasons. The cap's not increasing. You know, there's a lot of what-ifs right now in hockey. So um, it'll be intriguing to see what happens here. But nonetheless, I, I, I kind of saw it coming when they got linked up. It was, you know, they were in a bad position. It was going to be Vegas or Colorado. Both of them are a leech elite teams right now truthfully in the league um 
it may be hurt a little extra that Robin Leonard being in Vegas, and obviously he got that new contract extension, so he's staying in Vegas for at least five years. Um, you know, so maybe that added a little bit to the kind of the salt in the wound, but uh, overall it was just, you know, it was just as nice seeing the Hawks compete again. You know, they looked like a team that actually gave a shit, um, which, you know, I think there was portions of the season you and I both can agree that they didn't look like they gave a shit, so uh, that was at least nice to see. But I'll, I'll stop rambling. But nonetheless, you know, it was nice having hockey back, and I'm just I'm happy they can move the offseason forward now. We got draft talk. We got free agent talk. So I'm, I'm in my element, man. This is what I live for. So I am yeah. right there. Yeah, we call you off-season, Ron. You live for that shit. You love it. Um, so <laughs> you, you did a good job there, Ron, of kind of uh, summarizing pretty much everything um, in the grand picture of things. I'll kind of keep it Hawks-specific here. Um, going back to our predictions before the Stanley Cup playoffs started, um, Austin, Blackhawks D-Zone, you've heard him on the show at least once here. Um, he was the only one that picked the Hawks to defeat the Oilers in the first round. So I don't even think any of us you know, uh, really thought that the Hawks would even be in that uh, after the qualifying round in the actual first round series against Vegas. Um, Corey Crawford steals a game um, about expected and they get bounced in five. Um, so pretty much expected, to be honest with you. Still hurts nonetheless. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you always hate seeing your favorite team uh, officially have their season come to an end, but that's the way it went down. And like you mentioned, for the reasons with Robin Leonard being there um, and just Vegas in general, they've come into the league and just been, you know, nothing but success. I can't wait until they have a downturn and they have to experience some shitty hockey there. Um, that's just me maybe displacing a little bit of anger hey, uh, towards them. But I think it's uh, pretty widely shared uh, among fans uh, who have been fans longer than fucking 2017. So I'll tell um, you. I'll tell you what, though, real quick. I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, and, you know, we can go into this in depth today if you decide to. If not, we can leave it for another episode. But I think that time is coming where they're going to get the Hawks treatment a little bit, where people are like, hey, you guys fucked us in the expansion draft. We don't care that you have cap problems anymore. You can go take a hike and figure it out on your own. <laughs> so I think that yeah, downturn we, might be coming sooner than you think, Johnny. I really Yeah, do. well, I, I really hope it does, Ron. Uh, we will save that for another episode this year. Um, like I mentioned, we're, t- we're calling this the draft special. So that's what we're really ultimately getting in here, too. But I uh, just wanted to give a little preface here um, about why we, we did not have a final episode there uh, to kind of recap things. So I know, I know that probably wasn't extremely satisfying it would have done more justice if we did it right after but um like i said baseball season uh snuck up on us quick and we both had playoff teams uh, unfortunately those exited early too uh just like the Hawks did in the stanley cup playoffs but um nonetheless we were busy with that stuff so let's get into the news obviously you touched on it a little bit earlier um Ole Mata, first uh Point of mention here, Blackhawks basically cap dump trade. Uh, they, they get a forward prospect back from LA, but unloading Mata's cap hit was a big move there. Uh, we kind of knew that he was either a buyout candidate or trade. I think, you know, if you can at least get something back, that's at least a little bit better. Um, he was serviceable while he was here, so we say thank you, tip our caps, tip our helmets, uh, uh, tap our sticks to Ole Mata uh, for what he did, especially during the playoffs here for us. But uh, we kind of knew this day was coming. So the other guy that you mentioned there, um, Slater Cuckoo, that kind of brings us into qualifying offers. The deadline to extend qualifying offers to restricted free agents was today, today being Wednesday, October 7th at 4 p.m. And the Blackhawks, here's a status of what we know right now. Uh, The Blackhawks did give a qualifying offer to Dylan Strom as expected. The Blackhawks did not give a qualifying offer to Malcolm Subban as expected. The Blackhawks did not give a qualifying offer to Slater Cuckoo. Not entirely shocking, but with his uh, performance and how low 
of a contract he probably would have commanded. Maybe a little bit of a slight surprise there. Kajula's status still unknown. Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times reached out to um, both Slater Cuckoos and Drake Kajula's agent asking for comment. They both declined to comment, um, so we do not know uh, on Kajula's status whether they offered him or not. But Ben Pope also did make note on Twitter that just his gut feeling, if they didn't offer it to Cuckoo, they may not have offered one to Kajula as well. So initial thoughts here, Ron. Yeah, I mean... You mentioned it too, and you know, a name that you didn't mention there, but I think a lot of people kind of expected, so it wasn't even worth mentioning. But Dominic Kupalik also received a qualifying offer. I think of all those guys, yeah, exactly. exactly. I was gonna say, of of all the guys that we could talk about, right? Kupalik, 30 goal scorer, like he's gonna be a part of this team for a long time. They've already announced that they're working on a contract extension. Both teams have interest, it's good news there, so at least that's good, but. Not surprised about Strom. At least a qualifying offer to Strom gives them leverage, you know, if he is to leave in free agency. I don't know if they're entirely sold on Strom. Uh, and so that's why I think the qualifying offer makes sense. You know, they're like, all right, hey, we'll see what teams are willing to pay him. If they pay him outside of what we think he's worth, we'll let him walk and get draft pick compensation for it because he's an RFA. Or, you know, if we, we think he's worth that money that another team gives him, we'll, we'll quali- you know, we'll match it and, and he'll stay a hawk. So, I think that gives them good flexibility with a guy like Dylan Strom right now. Um, I'm not entirely surprised by Subban. I'll be honest with you. I think Subban was just a throw-in on the on the Leonard deal anyway. I think it was literally just yeah, because. Was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because I think there's literally yeah. a rule where like you can only have so many goalies on your like active roster. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually had to happen in order for the deal to happen. Um yeah, so I'm not surprised. Quick, quick tidbit while we're yeah. on Subban there. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, I think he'll be a you know a career low, assuming this is the end, um, the franchise low. I think um, of a one minute and fifteen second um, career with, with the Blackhawks because he came into relief. Corey Crawford, when he took a shot up high in a game against the Ducks, I believe I was there for it actually. So I saw all of Malcolm Subban's career in its entirety, which came within you know a two minute span uh, in a third period of that game. So. Um, uh, that was a, just an interesting note on Subban there, but I'll let you continue. Just thought that was funny. no, absolutely, and 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 just to kind of add to that note, right? I mean, a lot of people don't remember, but Malcolm Subban was a first round draft pick by the Boston Bruins um, quite some years ago. So it just goes to show, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about these draft picks. Just because a guy gets drafted in the first round doesn't mean he's a lock to make the NHL and be an impact player. And just because a guy's drafted in you know the second round or later doesn't mean he's not going to be an NHL player. Look at Corey Crawford; he was a second round pick in two thousand three. And he's arguably one of the best goaltenders to ever put on a Hawks uniform. So, well, I shouldn't even say arguably. He is one of the best. He's arguably the best uh, yes. to put a, put on a uniform that is the Indian head. So, it just goes to show. But, you know, you know, he didn't get one. I'm not entirely surprised by the Hokuku thing. I think especially after the Mata trade, because they had such good chemistry. I think they're willing to blow up that third pair because, A, mm-hmm. Seabrook's going to be healthy by the time this league year comes back. Which... I'm actually intrigued to see Seabrook healthy because once the reports came out about how many injury that man has battled through for like the last eight years, I was like, okay, there's no wonder he lost a step. He was literally a walking injury. You know, at least now it seems like, okay, he'll be healthy. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't expect him to be Brent Seabrook of 2013, for example, but he's at least a third pairing defenseman, right? We're, we're entering the bionic Brent Seabrook era. <laughs> With all the, you know, shoulder surgery and then hip dual hip replacement or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be made of metal here in about three years. He's going to be Superman because he's going to be made of, you know, just steel. 
Um, but I mean, but that being said, you know, he's coming back. Obviously, they want to clear space to give Ian Mitchell an opportunity to make the blue line. Uh, you still have Boquist and Keith. You still have Mata and Murphy, or Mata, excuse me, Dahan and Murphy. So you still kind of have that those four defensemen that are kind of your quote unquote core D men right now. Um, so I'm not entirely surprised. I'm a little intrigued by the whole Kajula thing though, because I think they like Kajula. I think the qualifying, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't give him a qualifying offer, but tell him they're like, Hey, look, we just don't know what the arbitrator is going to do. We have a number in mind that we want to give you. And if you agree to it, we'll just let you become a UFA and then we'll just resign you. Cause I think they like Kajula. I think they like mm-hmm. his game. I, I know we like his game here at four yeah. Feathers and for the right price, right? I mean, I don't want him coming in at like two and a half million dollars. I I think that's a waste of money, and it's not nothing against Drake Kajula. I just don't think that fits his skill set of what he is as yeah, a player. Yeah, part but, of the flat cap too. Right, exactly. I, but but if he's willing to come back at what he was making, or even a little less, maybe I think he was at like one point five. I would take him again at one point five, even if it was for like one year. You know, if he wants to come back for another year, at one and a half mil, I'm down for it. I think Kajula fits a role because he can play anywhere in the lineup. Um. So I think that part was a little bit interesting that his is kind of truly up in the air. Yeah, um, I, I just wanted to reiterate for the listeners yeah. who when we're talking about Drake Kajula here. Nothing is confirmed either way, whether they gave him one or they didn't. We, we are just going off of literally what both Scott Powers and Ben Pope were able yes. to report today. And if they couldn't get the information out of it, we sure yeah. as fuck can't get the information. To so no. That is what we're basing this off of. So, um, like I said, this is Wednesday, October 7th, and we're discussing this. I think we'll have some more clarity in the coming week here um, on that. So just wanted yeah. to give another disclaimer here on the Drake Kajula situation. Yeah, and absolutely, just to quickly add, and then, you know, obviously I want to turn it back over to you, Johnny, because this is not at all the Ron Luce show. But, um, yeah, I, I really wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we'll know, we'll realistically probably know Kajula's status by at least Friday morning because that's when free agency opens. So, uh, at least by then, I, I would be surprised if we didn't honestly find out on Thursday. But, you know, I, I think in the right situation, I think Drake Kajula coming back to the Hawks is not a bad thing. Uh, I think he fits a need. You know, he's a grinder. He's a guy that's willing to play in the corners. He plays well with skill players. I think that's something that's very rare for a guy that with kind of his skill set. Um, he plays well with elite players. You know, we saw it in Edmondson. He played with Connor McDavid very often and did well. Uh, he did that a lot this season with Jonathan Taves and even at times Patrick Kane. So, he, you know, he's shown that he knows his role. And I think for the right price, him coming back wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, so maybe that's why his status is still kind of up in the air because maybe they're trying to negotiate a contract with him and just tell him we're not giving you a qualifying offer, but you're getting re-signed like that. That might be the whole play there. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. But I'll be honest, I think overall for the qualifying offers, not surprised by any of them. Um, a little intrigued maybe by the, the Cuckoo and Kajula ones, but overall, not at all surprised. So, Johnny, I would I would love to hear what your thoughts are on the whole qualifying offer thing for the Hawks so far. Yeah. So, honestly, I think you summarized it pretty well there, Ron. Um, I think it's no, you know, uh, Strom. It's you, you got the as much as people want to rag on him for his style and all of that. You, you did see what he could do. In that, you know, whatever, a little over half a season after he came over from the Arizona Coyotes, um, he was one of the top point producers from then on out uh, for that Blackhawks team. And I know you're talking about um, and not the elite you know, level of what you need to be. They obviously did not make the playoffs that season, but um, that, that's just not shocking at all. I'm not surprised they gave him a qualifying offer there. Uh, Subban, I wrote him off immediately after we got him in the trade. Um, I, you know, they knew that was it. It was just a throw in. That was it. That's all I have to say on that. Knew he wasn't going to be back. Let him walk. I, 
I would be surprised if he is an AHL backup um, this next upcoming season. He really has been uh, that bad. Go back and look at the numbers if you don't believe me. Um, as for Cuckoo, I thought, like I said, maybe just the price uh, when you're talking about in this flat cap era. That's where I was maybe a little more surprised than you, but you make a good point in Mata leaving. Um, basically, Cuckoo and Mata, when they were together, is when they were both most effective. Um, you know, Cuckoo was serviceable uh, at times here for us. So um, that's maybe why I was just a little bit more surprised. But um, on the overall, can't say I'm shocked, especially given uh, the defenseman in the pipeline you mentioned. Obviously, Ian Mitchell and Adam Boak was probably your most likely candidates to be up there. But you're also forgetting about guys like Lucas Carlson, Nicholas Bodine, um, all those guys that are in the pipeline there. Um at that kind of like fringe tier of upper AHL uh, willing to, you know, break in as soon as an injury comes in. We saw both Bodine and Carlson come in. And then you're also forgetting about Dennis Gilbert there too. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of him really, to be honest with you. First of all, he's a Notre Dame guy. Uh, you know, my thoughts on that round. <laughs> Second of all, um, you know, the big hits are nice and it's cool to have a, you know, like a um, not enforcer type, but uh, someone who won't take any shit and will, you know, kind of uh, protect some of the other players. But, uh, when we were talking about, you know, years past here in the very early stages of uh, Four Feathers, we, who'd we talk about as a pylon? Jan Ruda, Ron, that was your favorite. I believe Dennis Gilbert is just a pylon out there. Um, guys, an AHL defenseman. Uh, you can go and fight down there, and I'll go and watch him on hockey fights. Uh, but he can do it in a Rockford Ice Hog sweater, not in an Indian head sweater. Um, that's my thoughts there. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, Mitchell um, signed officially. So I uh, would, would like to see him and get him in here um, and start that development process at the highest level. So um, other than that, Kajula, I like him. I mean, I like the guy. Um, I really hope the route that they're going is what you said. You know, they're going to let him become a UFA. And then uh, if they have him in the ballpark and he wants to stay and likes the team and all that. And I think he has, he has a respect for Chicago, but at the same time, his agent may also say, let's go elsewhere and get paid. So uh, it's just the realistic. Uh, we've seen the cap crunches come numbers of times before. Obviously, he, he's not a big contract that would be like commanding something like that to be an overwhelming burden on it. But at the same time, um, plenty of young guys here that, you know, when we talk about these Rockford guys and not saying any of these guys are worthy uh, of a day one roster spot, but you got, you know, your um, Woodines, you got your um, who else? Phil Kershev is another name that comes to mind. Mackenzie Entwistle, guys that have yet to really crack uh, the NHL roster and get a look here. I know we traded away Dylan Sakura as well. Um, so that's at least one uh, name that's off the board there. But then uh, Pius Suter, another you know international signing, European signing. So that could be a guy who's taking a place like Kajula. We've seen international signings come in in the past two seasons, Dominic Cahoon, and then most recently Dominic Kubalik. Obviously Kubalik played out. Um, they were able to trade uh, Cahoon and get, uh, you know, as part of the Mata deal. And um, that, you know, it, it's, there's, there's a lot of names there uh, that are also vying for that spot. So would not be completely shocked if Kajula walks as well. So be interesting. We'll have more clarity. Um, stay tuned to the Four Feathers pod Twitter account. We'll retweet any updates from the beat reporters as they come through and then um, hopefully jump back on as soon as some things start uh, beginning set into motion here um, and give some of these quicker updates here. So um, that's about my final thoughts here on qualifying offers, Ron. Um, this is, you know, we talk about this being the draft special. Uh, we're on tap, the draft special. That's kind of the uh, branded statement that we're going here for. We haven't even mentioned the draft yet really too much. Uh, today was NHL draft day, Ron. Um, Blackhawks originally had seven picks going in. They acquired an eighth one from the Montreal Canadiens um, to get a seventh round selection here. So they had eight total on the day. And we're about to run them all down for you. Yeah, we sure are. And it's funny because 
Um, their whole original reason that the Hawks didn't have an, a seventh round pick in this year's draft is because of a trade with the Montreal Canadiens uh, that landed Andrew Shaw back to the Blackhawks. So I think it was kind of funny that they ultimately made the trade with the Canadians to get back into the seventh round again. I thought that was just kind of poetic. Uh, you can definitely see the Mark Bergevin, Stan Bowman connection uh, since Bergevin was his assistant GM once upon a time. So um, I think it's just funny. It, it's 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 kind of that way, right? It's like, to me, there's three teams that the Blackhawks will always trade with. It's Montreal, it's Arizona, and it's Florida. Like, to yep. me, that is just yep. the three teams. And at once upon a time, Atlanta, when they were still in another division, obviously. And now that they're in the same division with the Jets, it works a little differently. Granted, Shovel Day Off has, you know, history with Bowman and the Blackhawks. So there's a relationship there. But, uh, you know, obviously being in division, uh, that doesn't allow for anything. As we saw, actually, on night number one last night, Tuesday night, um, picks 9, 10, and 11. The Blackhawks tried to trade up. And um, it was confirmed by um, minor league GM Mark Kelly, who's the Rockford uh, Ice Hogs general manager. Um, he confirmed. He said, look, we tried to trade up to 9, 10, or 11 to go get Askarov. And all three of our central division opponents that picked in those three spots, which is the Wild, Jets, and Preds, respectively, all said, uh, you can go take your trade offer and go shove it up your ass because they knew who they wanted and they they all picked really good players, you know, and, and obviously Nashville getting Askarov in the end. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just excited. It was draft time. You know, it's a good feeling. I Again, you called me, you know, off-season Ron. This is the shit I live for. So I'm, uh, I'm ready to break down this draft. I'll be honest with you, though. I'm not terribly upset about the Blackhawks draft overall. I think there's a couple things maybe I'm like, ah, they could have done a little better. But overall, I, I don't have too much to bitch about uh, to stand right now. So. Yeah, uh, for sure, Ron. Um, first of all, uh, I got a couple of just uh, general blanket statements here before we get into the specifics of each of these picks. Um, one was that Ron and I, first of all, you know, you're listening to this and we're going to break all this down here. But if you want this in visual format in front of you, uh, read about these. Ron and I alternated today at ontapsportsnet.com writing about each of these picks um, over, obviously, Tuesday night is when it started. And then today was the big day, um, and not big as in bigger picks, but more picks, uh, quantity here um, with rounds two through seven coming today, Wednesday, October 7th. Um, so if you want to go and read, we have uh, brief profiles here, and then we're going to try and get into some deeper dives uh, with all those. So just stay tuned on tapsportsnet.com. You can go and check there. Click our Blackhawks tab. We have an article about every single um, pick that was made here today. And then also um, I did a roundup one too, that just kind of gives the general info that I will be prefacing before I hand it over to Ron for our initial kind of back and forth here um, on the, so like, like I said, on tapsportsnet.com, click on the Blackhawks tab. You can find information about all of these. If you want to look at that while you're following along, listening to this podcast, um, I think it'd be a good guide for it because that's kind of what we're going off of here as we do this. Second of all, before um, we really get into the picks though, um, you saw me put this in the four feathers group chat multiple times, Ron, um, pace of the draft. Um, you're expecting me to start bitching about it. I'm not at all, and I'm actually going to call out the people that are bitching about it. All of the beat reporters, all of the other hockey blogs that are out there um, that made comments that this is moving so slow. I had to put a you know lethargic gif out there about, you know, oh, this is taking forever. I need to bring a pillow to the couch, all this. Anyone who said that, um, 
why don't you fucking enjoy it? Because the NHL announced that the season's likely not going to start until after the new year. Now, this is the last official sanctioned event that you got today. So are you happy it's over? Are you happy it's over and you can just, you know, move on and, and be done with hockey for a while now? Um, I, I don't know what the, the issue was there, but I, I this is our podcast. I need to air it out. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I know it was long. You know, this thing, whatever, today took like almost like eight hours, but fuck, I, I enjoyed it, Ron. I had my Blackhawk sweater on. I was, you know, into every pick. Obviously, we're writing about them, um, all of this. Uh, if you can't enjoy that, then um, I, I don't know, you know, what you're even doing in, in the hockey media world here. So I just need to get that off my chest before um, Four Feathers, no bitch about the pace <laughs> of the draft zone here. So um, I know, Ron, you, you agree with me on that, but I, I will leave that um, at that. And let's get into the picks here. Uh, round one, pick 17 is the Blackhawks' first round selection. Uh, Lucas Reichel, German forward. Uh, he plays left wing. He's 18 years old, six feet tall, 172 pounds, a left-handed shot, plays for East Baron Berlin. Uh, actually played against the Hawks in that mm-hmm. exhibition game before um, the game in Prague to open last season against the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, so, uh, Ron, um, initial thoughts on the Hawks' first pick here? Yeah, initial thoughts were I just didn't know who the hell he was, right? I mean, everybody on the Hawks' radar and every mock draft I've read and every conversation I've had with anybody in, you know, in the hockey Twitter sphere and anything, right, was – you know, I saw a lot of Dylan Holloway, who's a Wisconsin to be, you know, product. Um, obviously, Askarov was everybody's hope, which and likewise was also my hope. Won't lie to you about that. You know, so it was just kind of a, a set group of names. Right. So Reichel kind of came out of left field, really, if you think about it from a Blackhawks fan perspective of what we were fed by the media and kind of by these mock drafts. So. You know, didn't know a whole lot about him. I thought it was interesting. Again, like you mentioned, you know, they played against. His team, you know, in that last preseason game before that opening game in Prague, which the Four Feathers crew very much well celebrated against the Philadelphia Flyers. It was a Friday afternoon at about two o'clock and we were already drinking in Tony Marchese, Casa de Marchese Grouch. So that was a good time. But, you know, and actually that gives me kind of a nice like sense of flashback that I enjoy because we had a really good time that day. We played shinny hockey in the driveway. It was a good time. It was a good time. We had probably one of the most heated debates on Four Feathers that you've ever seen. Uh, Johnny chronicled all of it on his Twitter. If you haven't seen the tweet, I'll have to find it and retweet yeah, thought, it because it, it actually around that memory came up because I posted it to the Four Feathers it? Instagram too. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, at Four Feathers Pod and at On Tap Sports out on Instagram, you can find us there too. A nice plug in there between, but it came up as a memory and it was a debate about Colin after that game. We're getting a little sidetracked here. Let's get back to Reichel, Ron. We are. Let's get back to Reichel. So but I'm actually kind of excited about the pick. The, the more digging I've done, I'm actually going to put out a reaction article. Um, I'm hoping tomorrow, uh, so Thursday, October what eighth, um, it'll be out for sure by Friday, which is the open of free agency. Um, but I actually like the pick, and, and and here's why. You know, he he's projecting right now as a top six forward, uh, but not only is he projecting as a top six forward, he's projecting as a two way forward. Um, and the the com- the comparison I've seen a lot of, especially in Blackhawks Twitter, and the first person I saw that mentioned this was. Um, the gatekeeper fucking hostile over at the rink. He actually mentioned this first, and I kind of agree with him. Is Brandon Saad is kind of his comparable, and I love that comparable because Brandon Saad is my favorite player on the Chicago Blackhawks. So that makes me excited because you know he was playing in Berlin on the power play in front of the net. He was playing that kind of Dylan Strom Kirby Doc role on that power play as a seventeen-year-old. And for those that don't necessarily realize uh, what the you know the German league is that he was playing in, that's a men's league. There are, you know, he's playing with guys that are, you know, 25, 30 years old even. So 
the fact of him as a 17-year-old doing what he did over in Germany, being a big part of that team, and, and playing meaningful minutes and actually making impact says a lot about what he is as a player. Um, I love his confidence. You know, they they said in his uh, his Zoom call with the media right after he got drafted, which kudos to him because it was like three in the morning over in Germany. Uh, but he said two years that he'd be ready for the NHL. So I think you got one year back in Germany for him. And honestly, I think you see the second year him in, in Rockford, really, because, you know, give him that opportunity to adapt to the American ice. You know, it's smaller, a little more compact, a little quicker. But if he's got a Brandon Saad style of game, I think he'll pick up in the American game very quickly. Uh, and I think by the age of 20, you absolutely could see Reichel in a Hawks uniform. And I think that's exciting. You know, it, you've seen Stan's progress, right? Just just kind of quickly thinking about it in hindsight. When he picks in the teens, he's actually hit on quite a few guys when he hits in the teens. Nick Schmaltz, Nick Schmaltz was kind of, I think he was number 20, 21 maybe. Um, so just on the borderline of the teens, he's an NHL everyday player. Tuvo Teravainen, I believe, was the 14th overall pick, if I remember correctly, in his draft year. He's an everyday NHL player. So Stan has actually almost had better success drafting kind of in those middle picks. Um, and I actually don't really hate this Reichel pick. I think he's a nice player. I think he's going to come in. I don't think he's going to be, you know, the next Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane by any means. But I think he's going to be that type of player that you need to win a Stanley Cup. And when you're building back a team that has admittedly been down for a few years in the Chicago Blackhawks, that is the type of player that you need to add to this roster. So I'm actually very much in favor of the Lucas Reichel pick. Yeah, Ron, I think I'm on the same page with you. That it was a bit of an unknown um, coming into this. And I think that's the biggest thing like for Hawks fans. Like we had our guy Cody Del Mondo over at the Sky is Falling pod um, that he had, you know, they're uh, kind of cover all Chicago sports for on tap sports out there. And they, they kind of, you know, talk about all of it. So they need a little insight on him. And I, you know, after I wrote up my article uh, to get the news out there uh, that they picked Reichel and I went a little bit further into the scouting report here. I like what you said about, you know, two way forward. And I like that uh, in, in the elite prospects uh, scouting report here ahead of the NHL draft. What I'm reading is unrelenting forechecker and backchecker never gives up on a play wins battles through second efforts. Now that is what really drew me in Ron. There, there's a no, no bunch of stuff about carrying a puck through a defender's triangle shielding outside inside maneuvers, yada, yada all that after that. that's all great and dandy, whatever. Um, but the, Never gives up on a play, wins battles through second efforts is huge for me because the Blackhawks are dog shit at puck retrieval, Ron. Um, if you can add an element, even if it's a couple of years down the road here, um, and so this brings me back to that sky is falling tweet when they asked me for it. So I went back, and after I got the news out, it was probably about 15, 20 minutes later, and I'd said, you know, gave him the quick rundown, you know, probably middle six forward is probably where you'd slot him in realistically um, long term here with the Hawks. Obviously, you could probably, you know, with the way they blend shit, uh, bump up to that top line. And play on a wing with a Taves inside and whatever, what have you. Um, but the puck retrieval thing is big for me because um, you got a guy who's really growing into being able to do that, and that's Kirby Doc. So I had suggested there when I responded to the sky's falling, put him on a line with Kirby Doc in the future, and you're going to have an aggressive you know, very active line. And I like that because um, our guy, Austin Blackhawks D zone wrote an article for uh, three things that the Blackhawks can take away from the Stanley cup winning lightning in their formula to how they won a Stanley cup. And they were excellent on the four check. That's the yeah. bottom line. They, they went and got pucks after they were in there uh, and that created space. Uh, obviously you suck other guys to the boards and then are able to squeeze those out to open areas to the soft areas of the ice. As Eddie Olchek would love to say. Um, but I think this guy, Reichel uh, could eventually, it's 
going to be immediately. Obviously, like you said, probably about two years away we're looking for um, until he's actually in the Indian head at the UC on Madison Street. But um, when he does get here, I really like that element of his game because it's easy to have all the skill in the world um, or have the God-gifted talent. We've seen fuck Alex Nylander, you know, yep. uh, but the guy can't retrieve pucks for shit. He doesn't care yep. to. Um, I really like that um, uh, when I read that from Reichel, uh, relentless four checker and back checker never gives up on a play and wins battles through second efforts because Ward knows we need more of that um, on Madison Street. So um, well, that, that was that was my big takeaway from Reichel. So I don't know if you got any final thoughts here before we move on. Yeah, I was just actually going to add to a thought that you said. I, I actually kind of just want to enhance your thought because you mentioned pairing Reichel with Doc, and I really like that because I actually think back to that 2014 Blackhawks team when you had Brandon Saad and Jonathan Taves playing with Marion Hosa. To me, that screams that type of element, right? You got a guy, you got two guys that are willing to go get pucks deep in the corner. And honestly, Hosa was obviously too. But, you know, you have at least two guys on the same line, Reichel and Doc, that are willing to go into the corners. They're, they're willing to throw their body around a little more. That reminds me of a Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad and how successful that line was at the forecheck and why they were so dominant in especially those 13, 14, 15 playoff runs that the Blackhawks had, which admittedly, you're one shin, you know, puck away from potentially being three times Stanley Cup champions three years in a row. So I I, I actually just want to add that. Like, I, I love the Reichel pick. It's growing on me more and more the more I look into this kid. Um, like you said, obviously two years, but I'll tell you what, I think it'll be worth the wait. I think he'll be, you know, he might not be the superstar that everybody expects these first round picks to be, but I think he can, no one hates though. He'll be exactly. the guy no one hates. He will, he will be, he will be the Brandon Sod. I think honestly, cause I don't know what Brandon Sod's future is with the Blackhawks. He's got one year left on his contract. He's a very movable contract, very attractive piece to a lot of people. It's been reported today by Pierre Lebrun of TSN that, Teams are calling about Brandon Saad. So assuming Brandon Saad is potentially not with the Chicago Blackhawks moving forward in the future, I think Lucas Reichel could come in and be that type of player. Like you said, he's not hated by anybody. He's going to be liked by everybody. And then you'll get that rare crowd like myself that loves that type of player. Yeah. And I think Reichel could be that kind of guy. Yeah. So the four feather standard here to wrap up Lucas Reichel is Patrick Comiskey will not be bitching about him here on the show. Um, I think that 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 is a good way to wrap up uh, Lucas Reichel once again, uh, 17th overall pick. Uh, They was the Blackhawks first round selection here. So, Ron, uh, you talked about, you know, Eskarov uh, was the one that we wanted the potential goalie of the future. Well, uh, it came in the second round, but the Blackhawks did pick a goalie, and that was Drew uh, Comesso uh, out of Boston, a uh, USA kid. Uh, he is obviously is a goalie, 18 years old, stands at six foot two, weighs 181 pounds, catches with his left hand pretty standard, um, played for the U.S. U18 team and the USA National Development Program. Um, so the, you wrote this one up, Ron, so I'll hand it over to you, and especially, uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask our off too. You knew a little bit more about him, but um, what do you think about this as our consolation prize? Uh, in that, hate to degrade him from uh, the get-go here, but obviously I think Eskarov was the number one goalie that would have gone in this draft. Uh, but uh, Camesso, not a bad consolation prize here, I would say. No, agreed. And and a lot of the chatter that I've seen kind of throughout Twitter and in other you know chats with other people was, you know, it was ask it was Eskarov, you know, top goalie. Obviously, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but somebody mentioned that. Over in Russia, they were hoping he would go to Ottawa. The reason they were hoping he would go to Ottawa is because Vladimir Putin said he'd be willing to travel to Ottawa for his first game as a senator because they think he's the next Tretiak. That's how highly they think of him in Russia. I mean, he is wow. 
Yeah. Wow. wow. He was he was kind of that elite goaltender in this draft, right? I honestly think a lot of people have said he's he's probably one of the best goaltenders you've seen in probably in the last ten years come out in the draft. So obviously for the Predators to get him just really was just a kick in the nuts for Blackhawks fans. So, you know, that kind of, you know, I, I woke up on day two and people were like, why are you upset? And I was like, somebody pissed in my Cheerios. All right, leave me alone. The, the Predators potentially got a franchise goaltender and I'm upset about it. But especially after coming off a of Rene and Soros like they have, that team just, they can't develop forwards for shit, but defensemen and goaltenders, they just have a horseshoe up their ass when it comes to getting those type of players. And it just pisses me off. But nonetheless, back on track to the goaltenders, right? So that, that, that kind of that second round kind of tier of goaltenders, from what I've heard, right, throughout Twitter and everything was it was Camesso, it was Joel Blomquist who ultimately went to Pittsburgh, and then it was uh, Nicholas Dawes who ultimately went to New Jersey in the third round. Um, and there was two goalies that went in between Blomquist and Dawes, but they were – some people say we're kind of an overpick. So I was like, okay, you know, and then I kept seeing Blunquist's name. I was like, okay, Sweden, or excuse me, Finnish goaltender. I'm like, okay. I, I, the last time the Hawks had a Finnish goaltender, his name was Anthony Niemi, who won the Stanley Cup. Felt pretty good about that. Um, but then the Hawks go with the U.S. kid, right? And he's got good size, 6'2", 180. That's not a punk size by any means. Um, you know, and he compared himself to Carter Hart. Now, do I expect him to become a Carter Hart? Maybe not. But at least if he can become a good goaltender, right? I mean, I saw the comp, the kind of comparison because he grew up in Boston to a Tim Thomas. I wouldn't be mad if he was a Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas won yeah, a Stanley that, Cup. That was that and, was more of the NHL Network consensus yes. when you were watching the draft today. Yeah. Yes, and so you know, and, and honestly, I wouldn't be mad about a Tim Thomas type player because, sure, is he maybe gonna, not going to be an All Star year in and year out? Maybe not. But is he going to probably get you to win 25 to 30 games every year? Potentially. He's got that kind of upside. He's got that ability. And he's not really flashy. And I think that that kind of underwhelms a lot of people. Um, But I'm at least just happy the Hawks took a kind of a flyer on a goaltender earlier than like the third round. The last time the Hawks selected a second round goaltender was Kent Simpson back in 2010. And obviously Kent Simpson didn't turn out to shit with the organization. But before him, the last goaltender they selected in the second round was Corey Crawford. That was 2003. He was the last actual like major goaltender they selected high in a draft that actually com- like made an impact on the active roster. So hopefully Camesso can be that kind of guy. Again, he's not overwhelming in terms of what he does in net. You know, He's got a good frame. I think he can absolutely develop into something. I don't expect him to see him probably at least for another three years, probably closer to four. Um, I know that's going to piss off a lot of people, but that's just how old these kids are. keep in mind. He's 18 years old. Just for right. listeners. He's 18 years old. He's 18. And, and, and for those that don't realize like defense and goaltender always takes longer to develop than forward. Obviously the Hawks lucked out getting a guy like Kirby doc, who was borderline ready for the NHL. You saw him kind of get his feet wet before the pause, but then you saw him come back after the pause and you saw he was ready. Cause he learned how to play the NHL game. I think Drew Camasso and he had a rest chance. after fucking eighteen months. <laughs> That's exactly the point, though. But yeah, exactly. And so I, I think I think Camasso can be a really good goaltender for this team down the road. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's a Hall of Fame goaltender. I don't know if he's going to ever be that. But do I think he'll at least be a serviceable serviceable goaltender? I really do think so, especially because I think the Hawks have, have you've seen what they've done with guys that they just bring in off the street. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but like look at Colin Delia. Colin Delia was undrafted. He was a rookie invite to their camp, 
And he earned himself a three-year contract from this team. He's likely going to be the backup goaltender. Yes, I was just going to say that. Look at the situation he's in now. Yep. So that being said, I really do think that they can develop Camesso into something like that's actually going to help this team in the future. Even if he's like a 1A to maybe another goaltender and they kind of split the games, I think back to Niemi and Huey in that 2010 cup run, they played about even games. I think Niemi played, I think, 40, and I think Huey played 42 that year. I could see Comesco being that kind of guy, and if that's the case with a second-round pick, that's not really that bad. So, I, to me, it's just Hawks fans, be patient. You're not going to see this kid for at least another three years. So, just let him develop. Get excited about what he might be able to do. Hopefully, you get to see him in Rockford a little bit before he becomes a Blackhawk. And just get excited about what could potentially be the future. But at least they were willing to take a shot, go after a goaltender high in the draft, and I at least can respect Stan for doing that. Yep, Ron, I think you you know, you know wrote this one up. You did a little bit more research on it, so I think you gave a very good analysis on it. Uh, just a few specifics on it. Um, I don't think I mentioned it before, but he was uh, you know second-round pick. I think we said that, but 46 overall is where he was taken uh, over this past season, the 2019-20 season, between uh, the U.S. U18 team and the National Development Program. Uh, over 38 games, 203 goals against average, 919 save percentage. Um, those were just his specific numbers there. Uh, fun tidbit. Like I said, you gave all the good analysis, so I really don't have too much to add there. But he was a Bruins fan growing up, Boston kid. Obviously, uh, they said the Tim Thomas comparisons, all of that um, on NHL Network. Um, but he was a Bruins fan growing up, uh, and he said he was extremely upset over 17 seconds. Uh, and when you know the Blackhawks uh, ripped the hearts of all Bruins fans out there, um, said he almost came to tears uh, during that. So I just thought that was hilarious. Now he has to go uh, and throw on the Indian head. I'm sure you know. Obviously thrilled. You saw I saw the reaction video, and you know uh, he and his whole family were absolutely ecstatic that he was selected. Uh, but I just thought that was just kind of funny connection there um, within Drew Camesso. Uh, like yeah. I said, goaltender, 18 years old, uh, second round pick, 46 overall. So let's move on. Let's move on. We still got plenty more to get to here. Um, we are probably only a quarter of the way through um, these draft picks. Round three, pick 79 overall. Landon Slaggart. Um, this kid is a center, uh, 18 years old, six foot tall, 182 pounds, left-handed shot, uh, played another U.S. Uh, national team development program, also played for the U.S. U18 team uh, this past season uh, in 2018, or excuse me, 2019-2020. So um, this kid is from South Bend, Indiana. He is like the Notre Dame born and bred. So, of course, I was the one that had to write this up, Ron. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, anyway, though, regardless, though, I think uh, there are some connections there. I believe his dad is an assistant coach at the University of Notre Dame, and his older brother, I think, is on the roster at, at Notre Dame. So um, he, he is bound to go there as well. He, he is set for Notre, uh, going Notre Dame to play hockey whenever that season does resume. I don't know if Big Ten has any plans for hockey yet, but um, when they do play, uh, he will be a, a part of that team. But um, he, over this past season with, like I mentioned, the U18 team and the U.S. National Development team, uh, posted 19 goals, 15 assists over 16 games. Um, and Elite Prospects says that you know he plays a bulldozer style of game, uh, throws heavy hits, out muscles opponents along the boards, um, always you know willing to use the body to win the puck, um, outwork opponents in the slot as well, showed good speed, decent acceleration, um, strong physically, dominates in board battles in corners. So I like that um, as well. We were talking about uh, with our first pick there in Reichel um, being able to do that, and I think that's a little bit more in a shifty fashion, but this guy is more of a straight-up bully, uh, which I was actually a little bit surprised at when you look at his frame, uh, only being six foot and uh, 182 pounds, but... Um, 
you know, when you look at, uh, I was looking at these like numbers here. I think it's just because I, I put on so much beer weight that I don't think that's like anything. You're like a feather there, <laughs> but uh, that, is, that is a little bit heavier uh, than some of these guys that you will see coming on later that we're going to be talking about here. So um, I, I do like that just mentality there. Um, the thing I worry about there is health, man. Um, you you got to be able to stay healthy. We've seen a guy, you know, talk about a uh, guy who may be a little bit smaller around that stature. I know he's a little bit shor- shorter, but uh, Drake Kajula had plenty of concussion um, issues in his past and obviously just plays that kind of uh, bulldozer style of game. If that's what you want to call it, that's what elite prospects want to call it. I think that's fair to say that's what uh, Drake Kajula likes to do as well. Um, So, you know, uh, he has a little bit of a scoring touch. I like that, that it's not all just brawn and brunt. Um, he can provide some depth at the center. I think you're looking at more, um, you know, kind of third line. Uh, our guy, Austin Blackhawks D-Zone, is a big Notre Dame fan as well from that same area that uh, Landon Slaggart, this draft pick that we're talking about, is. Uh, so he follows Notre Dame hockey pretty closely. And uh, he had said that's probably, you know, in NHL, that's what he would project to be long-term third-line center. I don't hate it, but I also love a guy named Evan Barrett who's already in the pipeline and closer to it. So um, you're really going to have to impress some people, Slaggart, uh, if you want to take that role from my guy, Evan Barrett, uh, Evan Barrett being a big 10 guy, uh, Penn state guy. So um, I thought this is interesting. Uh, it will be interesting to see how he develops at Notre Dame. I think it is kind of cool that he is at Notre Dame because uh, as soon as they do get their hockey up and running there, uh, Ron, I love to tune in, even though I'm not the you know Notre Dame fan that kind of goes more for their football team and how arrogant their fans are. But um, that's besides the point. Uh, I do enjoy throwing out some Friday night Big Ten hockey and being able to watch him locally here. So it'll be fun to watch him develop. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts here on Slagger. Yeah, I mean, you you took the the, the reins on this one today and, and wrote up this this profile. So I'll, I'll leave that detail to you. I think just the only thing I would add is, like you mentioned, I mean, if he projects as a third line center, the nice thing is he's he's essentially a local product uh, for those in the Chicagoland area. South Bend is a very reasonable trek uh, for all of us. So kind of just adding on to what you said, I know you mentioned you know turning on some Big Ten hockey on a Friday night on the TV, but uh, I'm really hoping we can maybe do a uh, a good old you know four feathers trip out to a Notre Dame game sometime and we can watch this kid play live because definitely uh, do that. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and just like you say, said, you it's know. Notre Dame athletics that I don't like the campus is fun. I like going there and drinking and partying. My cousin at his wedding there. That's all good. So I'm totally down for a four feathers outing there. And <laughs> a scouting mission. Yeah, absolutely. Scouting mission. Absolutely. It'll be business while we're at the rink. And then afterwards we'll go, you know, do what we do here at on sports night, crack them and have a good time. So, uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I, I like, you know, like you said, everything you said, right. I mean, just, especially in today's NHL, right? You're seeing so much more and more now that like you need speed, but you also need a guy that's not afraid to be physical. Um, and if he's going to be able to bring that kind of skill set to this Hawks team in the future, I think even if he's a fourth line center, I mean, that is the type of player that can help you win championships. So the, the fact that they're at least taking shots at these type of guys, they're willing to develop these kind of guys. He's in your backyard. If you're the Chicago Blackhawks, it, it's really a solid third round pick, right? Because, you know, Let's be honest, unless you're picked in the top 10, usually in the NHL, your chances of making the NHL are slim anyway. So you might as well at least try to find a guy that can fit a need and go ahead and try and develop him into that type of player. Yeah, uh, good good points all around there, Ron. Um, I I do like the pedigree of the, you know, it's it doesn't necessarily translate into success for every player, but you are facing some pretty damn good competition and they do well at developing there at the u.s national development program so um a couple of guys there and i think we're going to get into another one here uh when we get into um another third round pick so the blackhawks had 
Um, like I said, that Landon Slaggart was round three, pick 79. Um, Ron and I were basically uh, piggybacking here on this one because they separated only by one pick here. Um, 81st overall. Uh, this is third round pick. Again, Wyatt Kaiser, uh, Blackhawks' first defenseman that they took in this draft. Um, he is 18 years old, six foot tall, 173 pounds, shoots left-handed. Um, he is from Andover High School in minnesota and then he played with the dubuque fighting saints so excuse me the the next uh there's some other ones uh excuse me that was uh the goalie ahead of him that, that was also u.s national development team but um either way another u.s product here uh minnesota kid um in Wyatt Kaiser, you did the write-up on this one here. This pick, uh, just for uh, Blackhawks fans following along at home um, with our roundup here, this pick was acquired uh, from Calgary in the Eric Gustafson trade. So that is why the Blackhawks had two uh, picks here pretty close in, in this third round, like I mentioned. Kaiser going 81st uh, overall. This is a third-round pick. So, Ron, take it away on Wyatt Kaiser, the left-handed defenseman. Yeah, Kaiser. I mean, uh, very kind of uh, the, the the resounding reaction I saw to this pick was very Stanbo in terms of a pick. He's a puck mover as a defenseman, which if you are a diehard Hawks fan and know the prospect system, this just screams Stan Bowman pick. Um, he loves his puck moving defensemen that are a little on the smaller side. He's got good size. I mean, in terms of height, he's six feet tall, but he's only 173 pounds right now, which obviously he's an 18 year old. He's going to build into that frame. Hopefully I think if he can round out somewhere in the 190 to one, you know, to 200 essentially range, I think he would be okay at the next level. I actually really like what was said about him by elite prospects. Um, that actually made me excited again. You know, it's really hard with high school kids sometimes to truly understand who these kids are. Um, played majority of his time over, as you mentioned, uh, in, in high school uh, with the Andover Huskies. He was the captain there. I think that's worth noting. Was really good there. Had 34 points in 25 games, 9 goals, 25 assists. I think it's a really solid night, uh, year for him. Also played six playoff games and had nine points. So, again, better than a point-per-game player uh, at the high school level. And then in the USHL, a very good developmental hockey league. Um, so nothing against him, but you know, he, he only played 11 games with the Dubuque fighting saints in the USHL in 1920. Um, and in that time, uh, he only had three assists in those 11 games. So I can't really fault him for that. It's a good league. Uh, he was young when he was there. So, uh, but again, what I really like what they said, they, they really discussed his speech, his edge work. Uh, he's, he's really good at escaping pressure. Uh, I think is something that's, uh, you know, really, Worth noting, because if you look at the Blackhawks' success, I think back to 2015, Nicholas Chalmerson, Brent Seabrook, Johnny Adui, and Duncan Keith were all really good at escaping pressure when they had the puck in their own zone. They they avoided forecheck. They avoided taking checks, which wears down a player naturally in a game. And they were really good about bank passes and things like that. And that is exactly something that was mentioned with him. He uses angles ex- expertly, as mentioned by elite prospects. So, Again, I think that just not to cut you off, but I think that's a breath of fresh air for Blackhawks fans who have watched the last two seasons of defense um, on the Blackhawks pool. And I know you've kind of had a ragtag cast of crew um, in there, but it it feels like uh, the space collapses quickly upon our defensemen and they are not able to utilize those angles that you're going to be talking about here. Absolutely. Well, incredibly said, Johnny. And and just, you know, uh, again, this is a guy that, very legitimately, we probably will not see before probably 2023, if we're being honest here. Uh, he's committed to play at Minnesota Duluth beginning in 2021. Um, but that being said, again, a, a kid that has some upside, he has the potential to develop. 
it doesn't hurt having talent in the pipeline, even if they don't develop, because at least a few of these kids are going to hit and become NHL players. So um, I really do think Kaiser has what it takes. I think he just, again, needs to, to build into that body a little bit. And as long as he has the confidence um, that seems to kind of work with his play, uh, I think he can be a really like at least average player. I think he could be at least a, you know, probably maybe top four defenseman, probably a second pairing type guy. Maybe he's a third pairing guy if the Hawks are really, really good on the blue line. Um, and I mean, if we're being, I, I think it's at least interesting. Again, do I think he's going to become this type of player? Probably not. But um, I saw his comparison at the pro level being Duncan Keith. And obviously Blackhawks fans are very familiar with said human being because he is going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. And number two will be in the rafters at the United Center someday. Um, but even if he is what, maybe two-thirds of the player that Duncan Keith is, uh, this would be an absolute steal for a third-round pick. So, again, a kid that's going to take a lot of years. They see the upside, and that's why he was picked so early in the third round. Um, But he'll take time to develop. He'll go to college. Duluth is a great program, so it's not a bad thing him going there to to develop his talents. And, you know, hopefully Stanbo did something right here in the third round and got a puck-moving defenseman that's not just going to be kind of a laughingstock of this system, but rather – a guy that really develops into something that actually contributes at the you know NHL level. Yeah, you're thinking about guys that can thrive uh, just based on their style of play. So mm-hmm. um, I had mentioned earlier the reason that I like um, the escapability. Uh, I think that's a big thing that um, it makes me intrigued uh, by this pick. I'm not going to hold my breath on anything here, but I do like that he's playing at Minnesota Duluth. Um, they seem like they are always like when you, I don't know. This is may just be an overgeneralization by me, but it feels like uh, Duluth is always in like the top ten, and they're always playing like the number two or three team. Um, whenever I turn it on just seems to be every time they're on CBS sports network, when you throw on some Friday night college hockey, like I was talking about, it's Minnesota Duluth playing whatever the top shit team is in university University of Wisconsin. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever it may be at the time, it seems like they're always there. So at least you'll get some good competition level there. Um, so once again, that was, uh, Wyatt Kaiser, uh, 81st overall, this was a third round selection, uh, just one pick away from the previous one, uh, in Landon Slagger at the center, uh, that we had touched on before so let's move on um round four here pick 110 overall michael crudel uh check defenseman here ron i did the write-up on this one he is 18 years old six foot three so a little more size 202 pounds uh right-handed shot uh, a little bit different pretty much everybody i believe this is the first right-handed shot i know we had a goalie in there but first right-handed shot taken in this draft feels like you know the majority of hockey players are left-handed shots but uh you do need a right-handed shot defenseman because we saw a log jam of everybody being uh, left-handed pretty much uh, on the Blackhawks blue line for the most part after Brent Seabrook went down uh, with the exception of Adam Boquist there. So um, like I said, uh, Michael Crudel uh, out of the Czech Republic from Prague, um, uh, like I mentioned, 6'3", so the, the height just kind of stands out to you there. Um, he, he's kind of, you know, these Czech ones in the European guys are kind of hard to follow really Ron because first of all it's not in, in our viewing market and they play at different times the time zone change and all that so if you really wanted to watch them you're kind of looking for clips on Twitter YouTube or whatever it is uh, for a guy uh, like Michael Crudel here um, but you know an, another thing that goes on when I'm on the his elite prospect page and looking at it, he's like loaned to like different teams like every year and that's just what they do though they, they start in the Czech League and then they'll loan them down to Czech too and then there's international juniors that they play over there so um, overall though Crudel uh, not really lighten up the score sheet. Three goals, three assists, over 28 games between three different teams uh, that he played for in the 2019-20 uh, season. 
Um, but uh, elite prospects had to say about him. Uh, one of the most notable uh, defensemen on the ice, uh, effective at moving the puck with a man advantage. So that's, you know, kind of intriguing. I wouldn't have guessed that just given his numbers, um, but displays some creative stick handling, can stay calm under pressure, find solutions when he has had little time on his hands. Uh, doesn't hesitate to use his body to protect the puck. Another thing here when we're talking about escapability um, with a guy like we were just talking about before um, in the previous pick here. But um, I think, you know, it's easy to do it at that level. It's obviously space closes a lot quicker uh, at the highest level in the NHL. But um, a guy that's that big and is able to do it, and obviously he's not as tall as someone like this, but it makes you think of a little bit, at least for me, um, Brent Seabrook in a way. Uh, There is the right-handed shot uh, similarity quality that they share there. But um, when you talk about Brent Seabrook in his prime, he was able to, you mentioned him as one of the guys that was able to escape um, really tight situations uh, back in like the 2013 run, have you? So um, that's something that I just thought that was notable about Crudel. This is another guy that, um, you know, like we'd mentioned, 18 years old. So you're, you're still looking at with how long it takes for a defenseman to develop, even if you were to be cream of the crop and really, really stand out. You're looking at another like three years uh, realistically uh, before this guy would be here. So um, he was ranked 27th among all European skaters uh, in the 2020 NHL draft. And that was per NHL central scouting, um, you know, uh, weighing in at over 200 pounds. I thought that was a little bit um, a thing that caught my eye just because all these guys so it seems like they were featherweights before. But once again, might be my skewed perception and the beer belly that I got going on over here. So um <laughs> The other thing, though, is that he is in action. Uh, he has begun his season with um, the Sparta Prague uh, under-20 uh, hockey club in the Czech under-20 league over there. Uh, granted, they've only played one game to start, but that's interesting because, you know, a lot of these colleges are paused and whatever. So this guy may get a little bit of a uh, jump start uh, when we're talking about Michael Crudel here um, uh, for the back end here. So it'll be interesting to see if any of those clips come across. And if they do, we'll share them from the Four Feathers Twitter account. Um, so that, that's about all I've got on him, Ron. I don't know if you uh, had anything else to add, uh, just a few comments before we move on. Yeah, just a couple quick comments. Um, obviously, you know, don't know a ton about him. You did the the write-up on him, so I know you went into a lot more depth than I did. But, um, like, kind of what you said, you know, things that stand out to me, the size. 6'3", 200 pounds for an 18-year-old is no joke. Um, admittedly, when I was 18, I was about six foot and, oh, what? 260 pounds, but I'm also incredibly overweight and trying to lose all that. Brock's so an offensive lineman. Don't, don't let him. I was, I was, I was a college offensive Don't lineman. let him brag on himself. No self. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I did play at the collegiate level. That is true. Um, and I, I have lost a bunch of weight. I'm down about almost 40 pounds. So, um, I'm, I'm much skinnier than I ever was. But that being said, again, you know, when I think of hockey players, right, you, like you said, Johnny, so many of these 18 year olds that come out in this draft, even if they are six, one, six, two, you know, even six, three, they're usually in like the 180 to 190 pound range for a kid to come out and be already 200 plus pounds at age 18. And with that huge six, three frame, that's encouraging, you know, and even if he comes in and is nothing more than, you know, depth at this point, again, really to me, anything after the second round is kind of a crap shoot anyway. So, you know, he's at least seems like he has the upside. It's nice that he's playing in Europe because he's usually playing with guys that are at least a little bigger or sometimes even men. Um, kind of what we mentioned with Reichel earlier in, in the show. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And I'll tell you what, uh, the last Hawks defenseman that was Czech, um, he might not have worked out real well in the Hawks sweater and that some people. Kempney. 
Michael Kempney, babe. I was going to say, I some love people Michael Kempney. You know me. Some, some people can attribute it to maybe just Joel's system, but um, obviously the Hawks have an eye for Chekel, you know, I'll just call it Czechoslovakian, uh, or Czechoslovakian, excuse me, um, talent, because, you know, Slovakia has also been a big pipeline for the Blackhawks over the years. But, um, you know, if it, if it means anything about Stan's eye for talent over in the Czech Republic, uh, which is a huge part of my heritage being Czech, um, I'm all for it. So this this pick I, I don't hate at all. And hopefully, you know, ho- hopefully this is a kid we actually get to see at the NHL level someday. Yeah, uh, hopefully, like I said, uh, maybe a little bit of a jump with being able to play right away, uh, whereas college kids right now um, are not able to because of the current pandemic situation. Uh, they are playing uh, over in the Czech Republic. So once again, that wrapped up uh, Michael Crudel, round four, pick 110. Let's move on. Another defenseman, uh, this one, Ron, you wrote up about it, so I'll let you give the further analysis. But this was round five, pick 141 overall in the draft today. Uh, defenseman Isaac Phillips, uh, he is out of the... OHL Sudbury Wolves he played for he's 19 years old six foot three once again here uh 194 uh pounds on the scale and he shoots left-handed this guy so uh, a little interesting a uh, Canadian Jamaican mix here um guy what are we getting flashes of is that uh Trevor Daly uh that, that was another guy who, who had that same yeah. combination uh, of background there but I, I'll let you take it away uh, with Isaac Phillips yeah, I like your your Trevor Daly comp, and I'll get to that here in a moment. But yeah, 141st overall pick. Uh, they take Isaac Phillips, and it's not Isaac with a C. It's Isaac with a K, so don't spell it wrong. But uh, he's a 19-year-old, so he's a little older than, than most guys coming out. Obviously, the average age is 18. You get some kids that are 17. You get some kids that are 19. You'll once in a blue moon get an overage kid being 20 or 21, uh, i.e. Andrew Shaw, what he was when the Blackhawks drafted him. Um, but again, good size, right? I mean, six foot three, as you mentioned, 194 pounds. He's not far from being 200 pounds already. Then um, you have to imagine he's probably going to put that on this year. So by the time you at all see him in any kind of minor league system with the Blackhawks when he turns age 20, he will absolutely be six foot three and at least 200 pounds. Um, he's a big boy. But again, his offensive numbers aren't overwhelming. Nine goals, 17 assists uh, in 63 games. You know, 26 and 63 is not overwhelming. Um but he even himself admitted he's more of a two-way defenseman. You know, he he appreciates being in position. He's a big guy, uh, does well on the defensive end for himself there in the OHL with Sudbury. Um, but he's not afraid to jump into play. And and as Johnny mentioned, the the draft profiles that we did for each of the players, there's a highlight in there that I included um, of you know a, a OHL play of the night that he had back in 2019 with the Sudbury Wolves a beautiful goal of him just carrying the puck through the neutral zone. Uh, and really he moved. I think the big thing with me for this guy is he moves well, he moves well for as big as he is. A lot of people, you know, immediately think in the NHL, oh, he's size. So he doesn't move well. No, that's not true. He actually moves pretty well uh, for how big he is. Um, you know, and, and that can absolutely translate over to the, the NHL level. I don't think he's nearly as offensive as a guy like Trevor Daly. I do enjoy your comp though, mentioning the Jamaican heritage. He actually skated for team Jamaica, at the elite, a prospect showcase yep. in Toronto back in 2018, yep. which is really interesting because, again, you wouldn't expect a country like Jamaica to be, you know, a hockey powerhouse by any means. But um, here we are, Isaac Phillips of, of Jamaican descent, obviously also Canadian descent as well. Um, you know, he, he grew up in, in Canada. So, you know, he he's kind of a, a tweener in that sense. But I'll tell you what, you know, I, I think of 
I kind of look back on on how many really good defensemen end up in the NHL that were, you know, mid-round picks. And the, the first guy that always comes to my brain is Jacob Slavin with the, the Carolina Hurricanes. He was a fourth-round pick. Nobody knew about him. Um, just a really decent stay-at-home guy, you know, considered a two-way guy coming out. And look at him now. He's, you know, making, what, $6.3 million a year, and he's one of the top defenders for the, the Carolina Hurricanes. So, um, I'm not saying Isaac Phillips is going to become the next Jacob Slavin, but again, these are the type of kids though, that if you can get them in the draft and they develop to their true potential, these are the guys that put you over the top and make you an excellent hockey club. So, uh, you know, obviously I would love to see Phillips become a Jacob Slavin type player down the road. If he did, I would absolutely own a Isaac Phillips Jersey, um, at some point in my lifetime. But, um, you know, again, just adding to that pipeline, a lot of defensemen picked in this draft by the Blackhawks, even though we always joke that they have so many D-men already in the pipeline. Um, but again, you can never have enough. You know, obviously not all of them are going to hit, um, but even if you can hit on two or three of them, maybe even four of them if you're lucky, uh, I look at a team like Nashville who just every year seems to pull a defenseman out of their ass from nowhere. But, um, you know, hopefully the Hawks can be that type of team going forward. And, you know, a kid like Phillips absolutely has that opportunity because he's got the frame. I think he's got the skill set. It's just it's a matter of how he develops, um, you know, as he gets older. And, you know, potentially in 21-22, he's going to be old enough to play down in Rockford. So it'll be interesting to see what the Blackhawks do with him, whether he stays in Sudbury in the OHL or if he comes to the uh, the professional level once he turns 20. Yeah, uh, for sure, Ron. Good rundown there. Um, I, I like the potential to be um, that big body who can still move, even if he's not extremely offensive, because you need that. Obviously, the, the game is just faster. It's getting faster. You you see guys like Kale McCarr ripping it up on the back end. Um, you, you mentioned early, way earlier in the show a guy like Miro Heiskanen can do it at both ends, but he moves really well. So um, for a big body being able to move, uh, even if you are more of a stay-at-home defenseman, you still got to be able to escape. Uh, um, you know, uh, w- with the puck and then also be able to, if you're jumping up in a play, um, you-, you need to be able to be a guy that can get back and recover. Um, and I think that um, the ability to move here is really what kind of jumps out to me uh, more than anything with Isaac Phillips. So we'll see. Uh, like you said, it'll be interesting to see how the development track goes here because you mentioned he is 19 years old. A year had about uh, most of where I would say, you know, NHL draft picks here are at the 18 year old level. So, um, could be another OHL season with Sudbury there and then come to Rockford, or they could elect to uh, bring him up to Rockford right away. And obviously we don't know exactly what an AHL season is going to look like here. So um, either way though, uh, playing in the OHL, we know that there have been uh, some good products that have come out of the OHL uh, and some that are on the Blackhawks roster right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Isaac Phillips. Once again, he was 141st overall Um and uh, that was a fifth-round pick of the Blackhawks uh, today. So let, let's move on uh, forward. Uh, we're talking about getting up there in age. This guy, Chad Yetman, round six, pick 172 overall. He's a right winger, 20 years old, uh, 5'11", uh, 176 pounds. Um, he shoots right, plays for the Erie Otters, Ron. I think we know a few guys on the Blackhawks that play for the Erie Otters at one point just, in their careers. Just a couple. Yeah, just a couple, maybe uh, Alex Dabrinkit or Dylan Strom, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's what, that's the biggest takeaway here, though. I, I said when I wrote my report up here, because I did this one here on Chad Yetman, um, 
it, it was, you know, the Blackhawks are drawing from a familiar source because uh, Debrinket and Strom, as we just mentioned, both played their junior hockey in Erie. Uh, he's not as highly touted as those guys, but uh, he does have a scoring touch here. And I'm going to read you some numbers here in a little bit. But, um, you know, tw- 20 years old, uh, this was his last year of draft eligibility. Um, so as a later round pick here, because what he came in the sixth round here, um, he has some scoring touch, so it's maybe not a bad risk to take when you're going this late with a guy like um, Yetman here. So uh, just reading off some of his stats here, he uh, scored 43 goals and 31 assists, uh, good for 74 points over 61 games in the 2019-2020 campaign with Erie in the OHL. Um you know, OHL prospects, uh, Brock Otten, guy who follows those really closely up there. Um, he says the Blackhawks are getting you strong skating goal scorers in the final year of eligibility. Uh, he's improved every year in the OHL as an excellent release and works hard to get his chances. So uh, you like to see the work ethic sort of thing there. Um, obviously flying under the radar, um, OHL prospects also listed him. Um, as the third most underrated OHL player in 2019-20. So said, I think it's kind of an underdog story here, Ron, especially you'll hear more of these as we're getting towards the end um, of the draft. But this kid does have, uh, I will give him credit. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's a debrinket level of snipe back when he was in his eerie days, but um, when this kid has a puck on his tape, he knows how to find the back of the net, and 43 goals ain't no joke, no matter what league you play in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you know, to me, these are the type of guys that you see in the NHL, right, that were elite scorers in their junior careers, right? You know, you mentioned the 43 goals. But they're they're not afraid to come to the next level and kind of find their niche. And I think of a player, obviously, was a center. This guy's a wing. But Dave Boland, a friend of the show, you know, yep. he was an elite London scorer. Knights. Yeah, elite scorer with the London Knights in the OHL was widely considered a, you know, elite offensive producer. And not to say he didn't produce his offense when he was in the NHL because he absolutely did, but – he wasn't afraid to take up that kind of rat role that we all know he and really what made him beloved in Chicago was becoming that type of agitator player. Again, you hear work ethic in a, in a hockey player and you immediately know a guy that's going to do whatever it takes to get to the NHL. So again, you know, a, a low risk, high reward type player in the sixth round, he's a little older. So that kind of buys him some, some time of, you know, he's got those extra years of hockey under his belt. Um, He's eligible because of the age 20 rule to immediately come into the Rockford system if he wanted to. Uh, Maybe they loan him somewhere uh, in order for him to play maybe in Europe, perhaps. Uh, A lot of kind of unknowns there, obviously. And as Johnny mentioned, you know, check the Four Feathers account on Twitter and Instagram uh, for those type of news. But I I think this is a guy, again, that's just going to work his balls off to try and be something in this organization. And I can always appreciate having those type of guys in the organization because that's exactly what Andrew Shaw was. He was a fifth-round pick. He was an overager. He was a winger. A lot of people didn't think he was going to amount to anything, and yet in his draft class, he was one of the first guys to make it to the NHL in that 2011 draft class besides a guy named Brandon Sott. So, you know, again, those balls-of-the-walls type players in today's NHL really do make an impact, and even if he's a bottom-six guy for his entire career, you get that type of dude in the sixth round, you're doing something right. So I I don't hate the pick. Again, low risk. What do you lose out on? If he doesn't make the NHL, he was a sixth-round pick. If he does make the NHL, he's a success story. Um, and I think that makes it all the better. So if he's got a good, you know, like you said, if, he, if he's if he got that good work ethic already, I think it's just going to help his chances of potentially making the NHL someday. And, again, quite frankly, I'll sit here and tell you, you know, does every draft, you know, pick in every draft class make the NHL? No. Do I want every single one of these guys to make the NHL? Absolutely. If they can contribute to the Hawks winning at Stanley Cup, I'm here for it. So, again, he's got the – He's got the attitude. 
Now let's hope the opportunity presents itself for him, and maybe he will become someday something someday on this roster, even if it is as kind of that checking winger on you know maybe a bottom six line. Yeah. So uh, one final comment here, as as I'm perusing uh, his numbers from the Erie Otters um, in the OHL, um, Chad Yetman in 2018-2019, uh, he put up 57 points, 21 goals, 36 assists. Um, he was a minus 12 though, uh, despite scoring all of that. And I know plus yes. minus isn't everything here. I need to preface that with this, but for what we're looking at here for junior hockey, we don't have the luxury of going on natural stat trick and checking all of these guys courses and their Fenwicks and their point shares and all of that shit. That's, that's not calculated for you. You get the standard box score stats here for it. He turned that around in 2019, 20. I know he scored a little more, obviously got up to the 43 goal mark. As I mentioned earlier, 74 points overall, but he was a plus 10. So that tells you he's making some efforts and that uh, just backs up the claim from Brock Otten at OHL prospects that uh, is improved, uh, you know, immensely every year that he's been in the OHL um, that going from a second to third season in the OHL. When I talk about those differences in the minus 12 to the plus 10 in his final year there. So um, you, you can tell he's kind of priming himself to be a more well-rounded player. And yeah, it's easy to go and sit there and, you know, if you got a nice scoring touch and a good release, easy to just go and sit there and snipe and wait out in the wing and then just dog it and, you know, change on the back check or some shit like that. But it, it just tells me um, when you see that number increase from that, like I said, not putting stock uh, 100% into plus minus here, but um, something had to change if you're going from uh, being a high scorer in both those seasons to go from a minus 12 to a plus 10 there. So um, that, that's my final thought on Chad Yetman, 172nd overall pick um, that came in the sixth round for the Blackhawks. So, Ron, we are down to one final one, and it is going to be a fun one to talk about. The Blackhawks did not originally have this pick, as I had mentioned. Um, they traded with the Montreal Canadiens, who held the seventh, uh, excuse me, the second pick in the seventh round, but the Blackhawks traded for it. And it was kind of, you know, funny because they didn't, th- that was a tr- pick that they originally traded away uh, their seventh rounder when they got Andrew Shaw back last summer. Um, but they got it back. And what they did was they sent a 2021 seventh round pick there. So um, a low risk swap here for them, but they picked a guy who, if he hits is just unbelievable and a one of a kind. And this is round seven pick 188 overall. Um, Luis Crevier, um, defenseman, 19 years old, six foot seven tall, 212 pounds, right hand shot. Uh, it plays for, I can't even pronounce it, of the QMJHL. Um, Chikutumimi. <laughs> don't, don't know how Chikutumi. to pronounce it. Chikutumi. Chikutumi. That's where he's from. Uh, but either way, Luis Crevier, uh, the, the, the biggest thing, as I wrote in my little uh, profile here, um, the biggest thing that stands out, man, is his size, his absolutely gigantic stature. I wrote in word for word, and Ron, I think you'll appreciate this. I don't know if you got a chance to read it before. At six foot seven, he towers over most hockey players not named Zdeno Chara or Tyler Myers. Sounds about uh, right. That's that's where I was at with this one. That's true. Uh, so he, here was uh, from QMJHL.com back in February. It's hard to miss Luis Cavier at six foot seven tall. Uh, he has a huge impact uh, on the Sags back, and he uh, skates extremely well for his size and possesses a two-way game. He has 
uh, and obviously a long reach. He's progressing very well, chips in offensively at five on five and plays a key role on the penalty kill. Um, he's definitely more of a shutdown type defenseman. So, um, that's what we're getting here. Uh, it's ridiculous that, you know, these guys are just unbelievably tall and it sucks because they should be probably known for more than that, especially if they're committed to, uh, chipping in a little offensively while still being a PK type. I think that's more of the notable thing here, but Ron, it's hard not to talk about the height. He's a big old boy. I mean, six, seven, two twelve as a 19 year old is no joke. And I'll tell you what, uh, you know, fellow ONTAP Sportsnet contributor of ours, uh, Mr. Duke, Duke Coughlin, the, that pod guy Duke on Twitter, um, I saw his tweet, quote tweeting and saying, please be the next Zidane O'Chara, please be the next Zidane O'Chara. I'll tell you what, I mean, I'd honestly just be happy if he was like a decent fifth or sixth defenseman that could, like you mentioned, play the PK and be kind of more of a stay-at-home guy. I mean, I can just kind of right now see, you know, Pat Foley, you know, as this dude lights some dude up in the corner going, Krabby with the big hat. I, I just can imagine it, right? I mean, 6'7", 212, you know he'd absolutely flatten people if he's got any type of physical bone in his body when it comes to how he plays hockey. So, again, but like you mentioned, right, exchange for a 2021 seventh. I mean, how many seventh rounders honestly make the NHL? Very few. This is the type of round where you take guys that, okay, hey, we see something in him. Let's hope we can develop him into that role. And I really do think they see that with him. He's a big, you know, stay-at-home defenseman who is just going to be a absolute bitch to play against. And, right, and exactly. And I'll tell you what, if anybody's been watching hockey, and let's be honest, even if you're a casual hockey fan and you watch the playoffs, you know what I'm talking about. Bully hockey wins you playoff series. It's just the name of the game. Yes, the game is faster and it's more skilled than it's ever been, but you still need that physical play. And that's why guys that can do all three are so valuable in today's NHL. You look at guys that aren't afraid to be physical. And and physical doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a goon. It just means you have to be willing to take a hit or give a hit. You know, go to the front of the net. Again, Body uh, up when you're a defenseman. Body, Body up and shield the puck so your forward can come and sweep it away. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you know, you look at guys like a Zidane Ochara. You look at guys like, uh, I think of a Patrick Hornquist as that type of player. He was also a seventh-round pick, fun fact. Um, you know, those type of guys win you championships. Like, those type of guys you need on your team. So even if he does become a fifth, sixth defenseman on this team someday and, again, just crushes people in the corners, plays responsibly defensively, and gets the fucking job done, that's a successful seventh-round pick to me. So yeah. kudos to Stan for taking a flyer on this kid again. You can't teach size. I know that's such a cliche expression, but it's true. You can't teach size. And if he's this fucking big and he has any opportunity to play at an NHL level with that type of size and be potentially a player that can be a bitch to play against, I'm here for it. Yeah, Ron, I think that was a good uh, way to kind of wrap this up. I just had one final thought here on Luis Crevier. Um, first of all, I thought it was hilarious the way that I could totally see fully uh, announcing a hit the way that uh, you did there. But I, I want to reiterate that this is not a John Scott style that you're looking for. Um, this isn't a pylon Victor Svedberg when you're talking about really tall defensemen that the Blackhawks have had in the past year. Um, you're talking a guy who can actually contribute um, in areas, not just be like a, you know, whatever the defenseman that's only playing six to nine minutes, whatever it may be there. Um, if you can legitimately be a penalty killer and that's another thing, you got to be on the ice to be able to do this kind of shit. So when I look at 
um, the penalty minutes here. And I know, granted, it's QMJHL here, but um, over three seasons here, over 44 games in 2018-19, only two penalty minutes. In 1920, only uh, 16 penalty minutes. That was over 59 games, though. Um, I, I like seeing that, Ron, because I, I another guy that I'd mentioned in here just for the height comparison was Tyler Myers. Um, if you watch any Vancouver Canucks game, you never saw him out on the ice because he was always in the fucking penalty box. Um, sure. So if you're if when I'm talking about a Luis Crevier here, um, if he is going to make any types of strides and get close to an NHL level here, um, it, it can't just be goon shit and be in the box, because unfortunately, you know, Tyler Myers would be an extremely effective uh, player for the Vancouver Canucks. And you saw why the Winnipeg Jets wanted to get him the fuck out of town um, because he he's just a burden. He really is. And the Canucks will use him on the back end a little bit to, uh, like I said, bully people a little bit. But that's very short lived. So he ends up in the penalty box and then you need Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson to go on uh, snipe streaks to even make up for it after all the power play goals you get scored against you so um, you know I, I just wanted to reiterate that it's nice to see the penalty minute numbers a little bit down for him there the best availability uh, or the best ability is availability so yeah, yeah if you're not if you're not in the penalty box and you can do your job on a regular basis uh, that's that's always a, a huge key in uh, you becoming a regular hockey player at the NHL level. So absolutely agree with you right there, Johnny. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So, that, I mean, honestly, that's all I had uh, for this, Ron. Um, like I mentioned, listeners, uh, thanks for you know sticking along with us through uh, this elongated rundown of the draft. But we kind of wanted to give our thoughts here even more so than what we put in the article. But if you do want to follow up with this on the article um, format, um, Go to ontapsportsnet.com. Click on the Blackhawks tab. You will see our profiles. Um, you know they're pretty quick reads, but they do give you the information. There's most uh, for most of them have a little bit of highlight video in there, except for the weird you know check ones that we couldn't find uh, video yeah. for. Um, but there's a little bit of everything in there if you want to go and do that, and then you know accompany that with uh, the kind of talk that we had here. Like uh, I think it's important disclaimer to put out there: we're not expecting all of these guys to be NHL players, but um, we, we got to go off of what we have right in front of us what what the uh, scouting reports are the guys that do sit over and watch international hockey do watch qmjhl watch ohl hockey um like crazy you gotta take their word for it and um you know at least try and put it in perspective here and think about what kind of role they could play on a potential future Blackhawks team. So uh, we hope we did that effectively for you listeners. Um, Ron, I thank you for joining me uh, for this discussion and also uh, in writing up all, all of these picks. It is great to be back talking hockey, man. Yeah, no. And, and again, thanks for obviously, uh, you know, hockey's one of my first loves. So uh, I'm always happy to contribute to, uh, Blackhawks coverage and yeah man I think we crushed it today we did a great job you know we gave the the viewers what they needed and um you know just kind of a little shameless plug here interact with us on Twitter whether it's through the four feathers account or whether it's Johnny's personal account or my personal account Johnny is at Johnny Johnny am I right N-O-N-N-I-E-J-O-N-N-I-E I was gonna say you just got to flip-flop two letters and you got the exact same thing with his it's a very easy one to remember and mine is just my full name without the O and the A and Ronald so uh, also an easy one to get, but you know, tweet us. Let, let's talk about some of these kids. I mean, again, realistically, you know, if we're just talking odds here, uh, I'm going to kind of be the 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 bets guy. I know you've seen my my gambling bets. I'm I'll, I'll get back on track this week, people. I promise. But um, 
you know, if we're taking bets on these guys, realistically, maybe one or two of these guys actually make an impact on the NHL level. But obviously, you want all these guys to make an impact on the NHL level, and we're happy to discuss them with you guys, the fans. Um, that's what makes this fun, right? I mean, it's, it's the hype behind some of these players that, you know, it gets you excited for these prospects. I mean, obviously, the, the Blackhawks organization maybe hypes up their prospects a little more than some others, but you know, that you can at least be excited about what could potentially happen in the future. I think a guy like Lucas Reichel absolutely makes the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks. I think, um, you know, the young goaltender that they picked in the second round, uh, Mr. Comiso, I think he makes an impact too. And I'll be honest with you, I think a couple of these kids that they took in the third rounds or later could have an impact on this team someday. Um, or maybe be a part doesn't, of a trade that lands yeah, you a guy that helps you win a cup. Doesn't Landon Slager sound like the next David Camp, especially since he's a Notre Dame guy and Austin Blackhawks D-Zone will love him and get his jersey and all that? Oh, absolutely. Slager does. Exactly like it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many good hockey names. Like Kaiser's a good one. Crudel is such a good Czech name. Crevier is such a good Eastern Canadian name, a good French Canadian name like mine. My uh, fun fact, my last name was actually Lucette at once upon a time. Um, and then my like greatest grandfather migrated from Quebec and it became loose. So uh, always appreciate the Eastern Canada guys. But I mean, it's just this was an interesting draft. Again, they took a lot of, you know, D-men late. Um, you know, we always kind of give the Hawks shit that they have so many defensemen. But, you know, they're, they're trying to hopefully have a couple of them hit and. You know, they took a couple other guys that can play, you know, kind of key roles, I think, at the forward positions. You mentioned Yetman, you know, kind of that balls of the walls, bottom six type guy. Reichel could potentially be a top six Brandon Saad 2.0 type player, you know, and then obviously Camaso, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he's not the next Hall of Fame goaltender, but maybe he's at least a reliable goaltender that can win you, you know, 25, 30 games in a season. So, um, there, there's certainly upside with these kids, but again, like you mentioned earlier in the show, Johnny, it's just good to be talking back here, talking hockey with you guys. Um, and I'm hoping that we can do another show after hopefully what is a crazy NHL weekend, uh, that it is free agency opening up on Friday. So just very excited that, that hockey is kind of returning and there's something that we can talk about here over at Four Feathers. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Ron, I second that. I think you put the cherry on top there. So I will do our readouts and close us down. Four Feathers podcast is presented by the ONTAP Sports Network, so make sure you're going to ONTAPSportsNet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod for our specific Blackhawks coverage and at ONTAP Sportsnet on both Instagram and Twitter for all Chicago sports coverage. Um, football season's going on right now. Um, you're a Bears fan? I'm assuming you are. Most people in Chicago are. Um, Ron and I are. So you can go and follow sure. at Bears on Tap at Twitter. Um, you can go and find all of their coverage there. All the kind of same stuff that we like to have fun here. We like to do some analysis, get into the nitty-gritty of the actual details and the stats and you know the type of style they play, but then also the culture of the fan. I think that's, Ron, what we like to try and bring here. Uh, us Blackhawks fans going up to the 300 level and drinking a bunch of beers in the, uh, you know, uh, in the concourse in between intermissions and all that kind of stuff. They like to bring that there uh, in a bear spectrum there, and then you can, you know, we got it for all of them. So if you just go to at ONTAP Sportsnet uh, on Twitter, you'll see uh, posts from all of our uh, you know sub accounts there: Cubs on tap, Sox on tap, Bears on tap, Four Feathers podcast. We got the cool name, so we get to keep it. Doesn't need to be on tap there at the <laughs> end. <laughs> so um, that about does it. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please, please give us a five star rating and review, and subscribe on wherever you listen, whatever platform: Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Stitcher, Breaker. 
doesn't matter. Uh, we're on all of them, and we would appreciate it if you give us that review because that helps us immensely here at the ONTAP Sports Network. So, um, Ronald, that does it for this show, the Blackhawks 2020 Draft Special from Four Feathers Podcast. Let's close it out the only way we know how. Let's go Hawks, baby. Let's go Hawks. <laughs>